why Mississippi quarterback Matt Corral doesn't make much sense for the New Orleans Saints, and our second mock draft Monday, another seven-round mock draft where we're going to double dip at wide receiver. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to this Monday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day here on the show. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday and sometimes more on Locked on Saints. And of course, if you missed it, this is actually our second episode of the week here as we dive into Mock Draft Monday. But I kind of went into the Sean Payton rumors in an extra episode yesterday. So make sure you go and check that out as well. You can find it in the exact same feed where you found this, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. For today, I want to talk about Mock Drafts, right? We love Mock Draft Monday. It's a staple here on the show. So we're going to keep it rolling. But I want to start off with our Locked on NFL Draft podcast mock draft. They did a first-round mock from uh, picks 1 through 24. At the time, the non-playoff teams are the teams that were no longer competing in the playoffs. Now we have seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be eliminated since then. Chef's kiss. And then, unfortunately, but a phenomenal game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. We see the, the Bills head home. But one of the selections there, of course, was the New Orleans Saints at pick 18. And they selected for the Saints, Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Mississippi. And the reason that I want to talk about him is because I don't think the Saints would be interested in Matt Corral, if I'm being entirely, entirely uh, honest here. And this is not me sliding Matt Corral. I actually think he's a really good talent. And I think that if he did end up in New Orleans, that that would be a pretty good situation, actually. Um, he has the ability to be able to run a lot of the things that you run with Taysom Hill because of his his capability as a mobile quarterback. He has the completion percentage that you look for in college, 66.7%, and he's particularly effective over the middle of the field and in the short and intermediate areas, which is the bread and butter of the New Orleans Saints offense. Now, again, I'm attacking all of this with the uh, sort of assumption at this time that Sean Payton will still be the head coach of the New Orleans Saints in 2022. With that being the case, short intermediate area, middle of the field, completion percentage, accuracy, all of those things are important in this New Orleans Saints offense. And those are all things that are clearly exhibited in Matt Corral's play. So while you're asking, okay, Ross, so then why don't you think he would be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints? Well, it goes back to Sean Payton. And in fact, it goes back beyond Sean Payton. It goes back to Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells had his quarterback commandments, the things that you have to check, uh, the boxes that you have to check in order to draft a quarterback in you know any draft, not even just the first round, any part of the draft. And Sean Payton has been a big part of that. You saw Ian Book check all of those boxes last year when the Saints drafted him out of Notre Dame. When you look at Mississippi quarterback Matt Corral, he doesn't check all the boxes. So let's go ahead and hit all of these points. There's seven points, and we'll talk through each one of them. So the number one thing on this list is that you must be a three-year starter, right? These are Bill Purcell's quarterback commandments we know that Sean Payton is sort of a part of that Bill Parcells tree. They were together in Dallas, all of that. So three-year starter, right? 
Um, Matt Corral did start games in three seasons, 2019, 2020, and 2021, but he lost the starting job because of an injury. He had a, a, I think it was a bruised rib injury after the fourth week in 2019, at which time Plumlee took over for the final eight games of the season. So you can't call him a three-year starter when he didn't start all of the games in that season or when he didn't just lose you know, the starting opportunities for the games during which he was injured. When he came back, he still didn't get that job back. So he didn't step back into the starting role until 2020. So that is a no there. Uh, be a senior in college. This one's a little tricky because he's a red shirt junior. So he has four years in college, but he is not a senior. So we're already 0 for 2 at the top there. Next up, graduate. He might graduate by the time the NFL draft comes along, but at this moment, he has not graduated. So therefore, 0 and 3, at least that is to my understanding. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, start 30 games. Unfortunately, he only started 27. You see where I'm going here. So 0 for 4. Uh, win 23 games. Well, he only started 27. He lost 10 of those as a starter. 17 wins. Here we go. 0 and 5. And then finally, as we go through here, uh, two to one touchdown to interception ratio. He actually checks that box. No problem. 58 career touchdowns, 22 career interceptions. So that puts him right in between two, uh, two to one and three to one. And then finally, a 60% pass completion percentage, 66.7% on his career. So he checks that box. So at best, if he graduates before the NFL draft, he will have checked three out of seven boxes. He'll be three for four. At worst, he's two and five over the course of the seven points of that criteria. Now, is it good practice to sort of look at this and say, if a player is a great fit, if he can bring you the athleticism to the position that you want, if he can bring you the the arm that you want, the arm talent, if he can do all the things that you want in your offense to just ignore him because of the fact that he wasn't a senior, because of it that he hasn't graduated yet, and because of the fact that he um, has, you know, wasn't a three-year starter because a, a, a coach in college made some bad decisions in terms of starting Plumley over him? No, I, I don't think that it is. But if you're going to stick with this, and if this is going to be Sean Payton's criteria in terms of looking at a quarterback, and this is where it all starts in terms of thinning the herd of quarterbacks, then so far, not so good when it comes to uh, Matt Corral. Now, if you are somebody that is a fan of Kenny Pickett, and you really hope that the New Orleans Saints find a way to land the Pittsburgh passer, Seven of seven. He checks every single box here in terms of these seven pieces of the criteria. So we'll see. Does that necessarily mean that the Saints will completely gloss over Matt Corral? I would say that that's probably likely, but we'll see exactly how it all pans out. Because again, if he brings you things that you feel are invaluable to the position, we just watched how important top tier quarterback play is and having a quarterback that specifically fits your system. We saw it on Sunday night up you know, between the, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and what top tier quarterback play brings to your team. So you have to make the right decisions at that position before you're really able to look at starting to push for you know a deep playoff run. And the only exception to that rule right now that's left in the playoffs is Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And and we've seen that before with Jimmy Garoppolo. However, he's also brought a team to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not secretly advocating for Jimmy Garoppolo to New Orleans by any means, but he's the exception to that rule. Otherwise, you're looking at top-tier quarterback play. Look at Cincinnati versus Tennessee, right? You're not getting top-tier quarterback play out of Ryan Tannehill, but you are out of Joe Burrow. See the difference that that made. So the New Orleans Saints will certainly be very cautious and very careful 
about the decisions that they make at the quarterback spot, but that's not the only position that was showcased in terms of how important it is to have a specific type of player in those roles, but it's also the wide receiver position. We saw how important dynamic, big playmaking wide receivers are for the New Orleans Saints going into this offseason. That has to be a huge priority in order to bring that offense back to life versus what we saw in 2021. We're going to continue on with our Mock Draft Monday, talking about how you can do that by double dipping at wide receiver in this year's draft. We got that and much more coming up for you as we continue on with today's Mock Draft Monday here on Locked on Saints. And not only are quarterback and wide receiver important, so is your daily routine when it comes to making sure that you're getting the nutrition that you need, especially for those of you that may be undergoing a little bit of your New Year's resolutions, trying to get fit, make sure that you're eating right. But I want to make sure that Built Bar is a part of your plan in that case. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. In fact, in some cases, better than candy bars. Or actually, I'd even say in most cases in my own experience. So it's the new year, which means it's time for the new you. And it's time for that new protein bar. If you haven't already started with Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the market. In incredible flavors all over the place, covered in 100% chocolate. Let's talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite flavors, mint and brownie. We're talking about 130 calories, uh, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and up to 17 grams of protein as well. So you're talking about high in protein, high in fiber, but low in carbs and low in sugar, but still high in that deliciousness factor that we always try to talk about here on the show. So don't just take my word for it. Go and check it out yourself. Head over to built.com and don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your next order. It doesn't matter if it's your first order or your next order, you're getting 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. family continuing on with our mock draft monday here on today's episode of locked on saints once again thank you as always for making locked on saints your first lesson of the day i want to focus in a little bit on uh this particular mock draft that i did for us so this is our second uh seven round mock draft you want to hear the first one where i started with offensive tackles so that we can talk about some day two wide receivers and pass catching options you can head back to last monday's episode wherever you're watching or listening to this. That way you can check that one out as well. I went a different route this time. I wanted to start off at wide receiver and talk about maybe double dipping at wide receiver a little bit in this one. So I want to start off by talking about that. So we're going to kind of go out of order here because I want to talk about the two wide receivers that I selected and where I selected them. And then we'll continue to break down the rest of the uh, the draft as well because we went with kind of three pass catchers in this um, in, in this mock. And depending upon what happens for the Saints over the course of the offseason, wide receivers that they potentially add in free agency, wide receivers that they maintain or lose through free agency, you've got guys like, you know, uh, Deontay Harris, who's going to be a restricted free agent. I expect that the Saints will probably put maybe a second round tender on him to make sure that it kind of deters other teams from trying to sign him. Because if they tried to sign him away and made him an offer sheet, they would have to send the Saints a second round pick in return and it's cheaper than the first round tender so it doesn't cost the saints as much but it's a lot better than just that right of first refusal tender where somebody else could potentially jump in and say hey we want to we want to go ahead and sign him away and then you're stuck having to match somebody else's so it just gives you a little bit more of a bargaining chip to put that second round pick on the line for a team that might be interested but then you've also got unrestricted free agents like traquan smith who also could be on their way out So I think that for the Saints, the pass catching options could be a big focus and should be a big focus over the course of this offseason. But wide receiver in particular is something that I want to highlight. Like I mentioned before, 
we watched these games this weekend and we saw players like Jamar Chase, uh, uh, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, even Gabriel Davis, who had, you know, nearly 200 yards receiving and four touchdowns in that playoff game. Like these are the types of big dynamic weapons. And maybe Gabriel Davis doesn't fall under the category of dynamic just yet, but certainly you saw something from him and how he impacted the game. And so for the Saints, targeting a wide receiver that gives them an expansive sort of skill set or tool set has to be a huge priority for them this offseason. They, they cannot ignore this position and try to fill it out with undrafted free agents moving forward. It just can't happen. And so with that in mind, I double dipped at wide receiver and I added a pass catching tight end. So let's talk about those three options. So in the first round at pick 18, I went with Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Yes, he's coming off of an ACL injury. Yes, we don't know if he's going to be ready for camp, let alone the beginning of the season. And there are, you know, lots of sort of bad luck things that have happened with the Saints over the years when it comes to injuries. So do you really want to bring somebody in who is presently rehabbing an injury in order to try to get them out on the field? And I think that more times than not, we've seen the Saints actually be successful in that route. Remember that Ryan Ramchick had injury concerns coming in. And I know that he's dealing with injuries now, but he was fantastic and perfectly, you know, doing just fine over the course of the beginning, you know, early, early portion of his career. Sheldon Rankins came in with an injury. He was unavailable to begin his season, but they were able to pick him up and then keep him producing throughout the times while he was continuously battling injuries throughout the, the season, hopefully, or throughout his career with the Saints. Hopefully at a position like wide receiver, which is a little bit less impact, less like head to, you know, constant impact like you see in the trenches that you can bring a guy in, give him the time that he needs to be able to get up and running. And then once he's up and running, then focus on getting him completely back up to speed. And with that, then all of a sudden you have this huge dynamic weapon that can take the top off of a defense that can catch a ball seven yards from the line of scrimmage, but turn it into a 70 yard touchdown that can create, you know, that you can use and move all over the the line uh, all over the offensive line right so you're you're using them out wide you're using them in the slot you're using them out of the backfield you're using them in tight all the things that the New Orleans Saints love to do Jameson Williams absolutely has the ability to be able to do so that's why I look at Jameson Williams as kind of a if he's there at 18 I could see why the Saints would invest in him despite the injury and in fact they would invest in him there and if they did it would be because the rehabilitation is going well, right? Like you would have to know that before you drafted him. So if they drafted him, then you could assume that they know that at that point and then would be willing to move forward. So now I waited a little bit longer to double dip at wide receiver because I wanted to talk, kind of talk about one of maybe the more intriguing later round prospects and I found one. <laughs> so I was really excited about this. In the fifth round, I was able to grab uh, Texas Tech wide receiver Eric Azukanma is is the way to pronounce his name. Uh, Azukanma is, is six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's a, a blocker, right? You like what he can do as a blocker, but he's much more than that. I mean, this guy packs a ton of speed, does a lot of things that somebody at six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and twenty some odd pounds shouldn't be able to do. He is a fantastic contested catch player, somebody that you can target in the back of the end zone, which is something that the Saints haven't necessarily had over the course of the past few years where that offense sort of changed its red zone uh, per, red zone sort of approach to instead of going to the back of the end zone, going to the front pylon. We saw that a lot with Drew Brees. We saw it expand a little bit to the back of the, the end zone with Jameis Winston a bit, but for the most part, they've always kind of played for the pylon in the red zone with a guy like as a comma, then all of a sudden you have the ability to be able to target into the back of the end zone, a guy that can win 50-50 balls, all of that, but is also pretty solid route runner, something that he can continue to build upon, but is easy to build upon in New Orleans, right? See Coach CJ 
everybody, they've done a wonderful job creating route runners. So you bring somebody in that has a pretty good sort of already foundation there. That's incredibly helpful. So you have this big dynamic, six foot one, nearly 200 pound, you know, speedster and guy that's super dynamic with the ball in his hands, all of that with Jamison Williams. Now you turn around and you add a nice possession receiver that also has speed to take you know, the top off of defenses that can make tough catches over the middle of the field that has incredibly strong hands and that you can also run tunnel screens and bubble screens with because he has the experience of doing that with Texas Tech. He just sort of has this really wide spectrum of things that he can do as Ukama does. does. And so I really like the pairing of those two as guys that could even be the future of the position if they both pan out. Uh, opposite one another and would be really good complements to one another. Think about it as kind of like a T Higgins type with uh, Ezukanma and then your, you know, your general take the top off Tyreek Hill type with uh, Jamison Williams. Maybe not necessarily Tyreek Hill, but you get what I'm saying there. And then I also added in the third round of this, of this mock draft, Jeremy Ruckett. I went back to him again uh, out of the, uh, the Ohio State University. I had to get one Buckeye in this draft, of course, but uh, again, he's a great seam stretcher. He's somebody that is also a good blocker. He's fantastic in the split zone action game, which allows you to use him in those sort of like play action rollouts where you can just kind of dump it off to him. Sort of what we saw the Saints do with Nick Vanette in the play action game. You could do the same thing with Jeremy Ruckett. And he's Ruckert, excuse me. And he's a little bit more of a proven pass catcher that maybe can do a little bit more, more immediately than the sort of unfair expectations that were put on Adam Troutman be able to come in out of Dayton and do things immediately there. So you get two Ohio guys, in that case, three Ohio guys, actually, because you get the Dayton, Ohio guy, and then you've got Nick Vanette and Jeremy Ruckert, who are both out of Ohio State. And then all of a sudden, you have this really, really nice sort of triumvirate of rookies that you can try to develop. And if you hit on one of those, great, you did it. You had a successful draft. That's the thing to keep in mind about the NFL draft. If you hit on one of seven, you've had a good draft. If you hit on two of seven, you've had an excellent draft. You hit three of seven, you've had a phenomenal draft. Not every draft is 2017. So if you're able to turn around, New Orleans 2017. So if you're able to turn around and get these three specific, you know, potential pass catchers that complement one another well, have a lot of dynamics, and that can, you know, that that have skill sets that can still be built upon at the next level, it increases your odds of being able to hit on one, potentially two, hopefully three of those seven or eight options. So now we're going to get into the rest of those eight options we talked about. The three guys that we took here, we'll go back in order. We'll, we'll remind you where each of these three were selected, but then we'll break down the rest of the players right around them as we continue on and wrap up this mock draft Monday episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, as we're sitting here talking about what it is that the Saints need to add to their repertoire, I want to make sure that you have the Get Upside app added to yours because the gas prices are way too high. That's going to be that's what that's going to be the policy that I'm going to run on eventually is that gas prices are way too high. I'll be like the rent guy but specifically focusing on gas prices. It's insane. But I want to make sure that you're getting the help that you need when it comes to that as well because if you have to drive a lot, it can be tough. So I want to tell you about the Get Upside app because it's super simple. It's free, no catch. You just download it and then all of a sudden you can head to all the select gas stations that they have and you can get up to 25 cents back per gallon on your Phillips as you fill up at those stations. You just take a picture of the receipt and then they end up taking 25 cents or up to 25 cents and depositing it back to you, giving it back to you. And you can withdraw out of your account directly to your bank account. You can send it to PayPal. I usually do gift cards because I'm a big time Amazon shopper. I'm always trying to upgrade stuff here. So I use it for that all the time. And if you're a first time customer, this is your first time you're hearing about GetUpside, 
Go download the app now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN because on your very first fill up, they're going to give you a 25 cent bonus. It's up to 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up with the promo code TOUCHDOWN. Once again, it's the Get Upside app. And don't forget that promo code TOUCHDOWN for 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. Let's get it, Huda Nation, wrapping up this Mock Draft Monday episode. Now, I know it's Monday, but this is actually our second episode of the week. We had a bonus episode on Sunday, kind of talking about all the Sean Payton rumors, things like that. Played a little Marvel What If situation there as well. So you can find that either wherever you're watching or listening to today's episode, you'll find that from yesterday. Now, let's really dive in here. Let's talk a little bit more about this seven-round Mock Draft that I did, lay it all out. Uh, we talked about the pass catchers that we added and how important it is to kind of develop that how it increases your odds of hitting, particularly at those positions. But now let's talk about everything that happened in between those pass catchers. So once again, opened up this mock draft with Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams at pick uh, round one, pick 18. Talked all about that. Next, I went offensive tackle. So I kind of just reversed what I did in the last draft. I went offensive tackle uh, out of Ohio State last time, Petit Frere. And then I went to wide receivers, guys like David Bell and Wandale Robinson and, and some others are going to be available in the second round that are going to be really, really good. But you can kind of look at that with the offensive tackles as well. The trenches, again, very deep in this class. So Max Mitchell, uh, six foot six, 300 pounds was the selection out of Louisiana. So nice to have a little local prospect to talk about here that's not an LSU prospect, but he's somebody that packs a lot of athleticism. He's going to be a left tackle in the NFL, but he's played a little bit of everything as well. He can do a little bit of right tackle. He could do a little bit of guard. He can do all those things, but he's somebody that packs the athleticism that you need, has experience running in zone blocking schemes, and is a really, really solid pass protector. Really good at And because of his athleticism, it's two things. He can pull really well as a tackle and get out ahead of the run game, kind of like what you've seen with Teron Armstead in the past, but then also does a really good job getting enough depth without giving up too much to speed rushers, which is really great because when you force a speed rusher to run the arc or try to get around the tackle and bend around to get to the quarterback, the more depth that you can force them, just the kind of tougher that it gets and the more depth that you can pick up, you're just extending that arc. So it helps you to keep a clean pocket for your quarterback. He does have some things that he has to work on because as well, as good as he is at getting that depth, sometimes he can lose on the inside move, which gives you a direct track to the quarterback. So you have to be really, really careful about that. But his lateral movement gives you everything that you need to believe that he'll be able to sort of solidify that part of his game. Now, going offensive tackle here might not be like the most popular choice and not the sexiest pick, things like that. But we just don't know at this point, January 24th, what's going to happen with Teron Armstead in this New Orleans Saints offensive line. Because... I think that it's smart for the Saints to keep Tron Armstead around because of the sort of like short term cap implications that come with letting him walk away. However, it's not just up to the New Orleans Saints, right? Tron Armstead might want more money somewhere else, and he's going to get offers from Jacksonville. He's going to get offers from Cincinnati, places like that, if he decides to hit the market, right? Third round with that compensatory pick from the Terry Fontenot hire, that was the Jeremy Ruckert uh, out of Ohio State tight end selection. So let's move on here at pick 116. I took Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. Also, RIP Kobe Bryant. Cornerback is still a position that the Saints turned into a strength in 2021, but because of how much people shuffle around and the you know how much they like to have their depth there, it would make sense for them to still address that spot over the course of the draft and just get another young player in there that can contribute from a bunch of different places and potentially even special teams, stuff like that. So I've got Kobe Bryant there from Cincinnati coming to New Orleans. 
Next up at pick 134, I wanted to do something a little bit fun and exciting here. I've told you this before. I think that running back is going to be a position that the Saints will address in the draft. They're going to go out and they're going to grab somebody. And I went with Alabama running back Brian Robinson Jr. Here's why. Fantastic pass protector, right? Played for Alabama. Good pass catcher as well. He's not super dynamic. He's not going to run wheel routes for you or anything like that, but he's great in the flats. And he can run between the tackles and get you those tough yards. Mark Ingram. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And who better for him to learn behind for a year than Mark Ingram himself, right? In the role that he would effectively potentially take over if he were to pan out. I'm not looking at Brian Robinson as somebody that you bring in and potentially takes over as a starting running back for you, right? I'm not saying that he's going to topple Alvin Kamara or anything like that, but we talked about it last week. Alvin Kamara needs another tandem back. They need to provide more talent at that running back room, right? And in that running back room. And so you have Mark Ingram for another year, bring in this little Alabama running back here. Not little, this dude's huge, 220 pounds, six foot two, like he's big, Uh, but bring in a guy that actually kind of fits a similar mold, even though he's a little bit bigger, taller than uh, Mark Ingram, but let Mark Ingram kind of mentor him into the role of how to compliment Alvin Kamara. I think that's a pretty, pretty good idea there. Then we went with um, Eric Ezekanma out of Texas Tech. Then we followed it up with an LSU player here. I know, I know, it's fine, it's okay. LSU linebacker here, uh, Mike Jones, who was mostly a Clemson linebacker, kind of appeared for LSU, but you know that defense wasn't great. My hope is that Quan Alexander is back in New Orleans next season, but a guy like Mike Jones would be a fantastic special teamer and somebody that could grow and develop behind, just sort of like I talked about with Brian Robinson being right behind somebody that he would be watching his mold in front of him in a veteran capacity. Same thing for Mike Jones in relation to Quan Alexander. And then finally, I went back to cornerback again um, in the sixth round, Josh Williams out of Fayetteville State, CIAA, HBCU. Um, I like this kid a lot. Six foot two, 200 pounds, really physical, was the best player on the field any time that he was on the field. And it's not the greatest competition level, I know. But this is also a six-round pick, right? But his coverage was outstanding. He would plaster as a man coverage linebacker, excuse me, uh, cornerback uh, against the best of the best in terms of wide receivers in his, in his conference, in his field, you know, in, in terms of the peers that he went up against. And he dominated them. I mean, he was incredible. He was remarkable. And he turned over ball production despite the fact that he was barely targeted as well. So I really like Josh Williams. We'll get a look at him at the Senior Bowl which, by the way, we'll also get a look at Max Mitchell, Jeremy Ruckert, Kobe Bryant, and Brian Robinson, all of which that I also took in this mock draft next week at the Senior Bowl. But I'm really interested in Josh Williams, and I think that he is one of those like really, really phenomenal small school prospects. And I kind of got hooked on Robert Rochelle last year from UCA. I think Joshua Williams is going to be hook, line, and sinker for me throughout the course of like the small school prospect that I'll pound the table for in this year's draft. He'll be a late round guy or an undrafted guy because of the competition level that he's coming from. But if he gets drafted, he would be the first player out of Fayetteville State drafted since 1976. Pretty cool. Pretty cool history there. All right. So that's our seven round mock draft, our second one. If you want to hear the first one, check out last Monday's episode. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to dive into your questions from Twitter. I've already got some questions coming in. If you want to send some more, uh, send them over to me at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, and we'll dive into 
Sean Payton conversation, you know, Teron Armstead conversation, I'm sure, wide receiver conversation, all the good stuff. So we'll have it all for you here on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget to also go and check out for your second listen today, Locked on Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Make yourselves some money. As always, for everything you need around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.